My dear Christian friends, at the beginning of our text for today, John the Baptist is an absolute religious rock star. I mean, people are coming out in droves to be and to see him, to listen to him at the River Jordan. Now, these people were not getting there by plane, trains, and automobiles, obviously. They were walking mile after mile after mile after mile. And after they saw him, after they listened to him, they'd have to turn around and walk mile after mile after mile to return. So it's pretty obvious that these people weren't going out there just to see a guy who was dressed in a camel's hair coat with a leather belt. They were going out there for something more important. They were going out there to listen to him, to hear him to hear what he had to say. And what he had to say was like a brick being hit right in the middle of your forehead. Because what he was saying to them was to repent. To repent of your sins. To turn around. And so these people were getting hammered with the law. Because John the Baptist had a specific calling. And his calling was to prepare hearts. To prepare hearts for the coming of the Messiah. And for all of these people, that also was sort of strange. After all, what did they have to prepare for? What was the Messiah going to be like? And you'll notice in John's ministry, Not one time is he preparing somebody's heart so that they could get ready for battle against the Roman Empire. Not one moment is John the Baptist ever, ever speaking to them about land, about somehow that this would now be the great Masonic time when the land would be reunited. Never. Not one time. What he was telling them is, you're a sinner. And by the way, your sin needs to be repented of. And then you can hear and feel that forgiveness. Come and be baptized. Or the baptism of repentance. Now that must have been somewhat strange to these people. Because that's not what they'd been taught. They hadn't been taught that somehow uh, that their sin was so catastrophic that it couldn't be overcome. After all, come on. We're the chosen people. Come on, we're the offspring of Abraham. Why would we need any of that? And you see, when you're preparing a heart for Jesus, you've got to know that your heart is filled with sin. And the scripture is quite clear. It says, be ye perfect, even as I am perfect. That's what God says. 
I don't know, that's not very difficult to understand to me. I mean, I don't know if you want to smudge around on that one, but it's pretty clear. Be perfect, even as I am perfect. And then we hear from James who says, you know what, by the way, if you commit one sin, you're guilty of all of it. There's no wiggle room there. And the fact that, that somehow they were the offspring of Abraham or they were the chosen people, they had no thought of a Messiah like Jesus. Why would they? If you don't really think that your sin isn't something you can deal with, if somehow you're an individual who says, you know, I, <laughs> I, I yeah, I, I know, I, I've sinned. I've really messed up from time to time. But you know, I've also done a lot of good things in my life. And I, I have not only done a lot of good things, I've said a lot of good things. And you know, if you looked at my life, it would be, you know, we started balancing that baby out. I think I've got more good than bad. So that should be good enough to get me into heaven. And the reality is it doesn't. But if that's the way you think, why would you need somebody like Jesus? <laughs> yeah, let's see, if I can save myself, if sin isn't all that bad, I can still get to heaven, why do I need some guy to come into the world and hang on the cross and die for me? I don't need that. I need these crazy Romans out of my land. I need these Gentiles gone. So when John's preparing their hearts, he's preparing them to understand you can't save yourself. You can't do it. But God can. And God has. And there's the sweet, beautiful, joyous, wonderful gospel that our Lord Jesus Christ comes into this world, promised by the Father the moment Adam and Eve sinned, the gracious and wonderful and glorious God that we have. And when our Lord Jesus Christ comes to the River Jordan and wants to be baptized, we know from the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, <laughs> John the Baptist says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang loose, buddy. Uh, I can't baptize you. I, I can't even unloosen your sandals, man. But Jesus is a servant. And Jesus came into the world to be like us in every way. Every way. Except without sin. And he claimed to come and to put himself under the law. So that our Lord Jesus Christ is like us in every way except without that sin. And that our Lord Jesus Christ was baptized. And the Father speaks. The Father speaks. The very one who promised the Son would come is now the Father who speaks and says, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. It is the Holy Spirit that have descended like a dove. The same Holy Spirit that comes and works faith in our hearts. And it's the same Father 
who loved his son, but would abandon his son. On that cross of Calvary, the father was gone because Jesus had become sin for us. There's the gospel. There's the salvation. There's your sins. Jesus didn't leave one sin out. He took them all upon himself, suffered, died. And then he rose. And then our Lord Jesus Christ was going to ascend into heaven. And remember what he says at the very end of his ministry. I want you to go into the world. And I want you to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then I want you to teach. Teach everything that I've taught you. Now we see all of these relationships beginning to unfold. John the Baptist, a man who was so popular but didn't use his finger to point at himself as to how great he was, he pointed to Jesus. And our Lord Jesus Christ, seeking after the world, that blessing, that hope, that relationship, that calling of you, me, the world. And that, you see, is the blessing that we have. The woman's name was Ada Bunn. Miss Ada Bunn. And Miss Ada Bunn was a member of of First Lutheran Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, my vicar. It was there that I and Christine went for my year of vicarage and the supervision of Leroy Book. And Leroy Book told me within a few days that I was going to have to meet with Miss Ada Bunn. And Miss Ada Bunn, he said, was going to be talking to a couple who had a baby, and we're going to be baptized. And Miss Ada Bunn, who was well into her 70s, was going to explain what they were going to do during the service. And then I was to go there and listen to Miss Ada Bunn. Well, when you're on vicarage and your supervisor says, you're going to do something, you're going to do it. And so I listened and went and spoke to Miss Ada Bunn, and I went and she said, you sit right there in first pew in the church. And in comes this couple. They must have been in their, oh, middle 20s. First baby. Cute little guy. You know, they're just... And there's Miss Ada Bunn. And she says, I want you to listen to me. You're going to stand here with the baby. Godparents are going to stand over here. You're each going to have questions that you're going to have to ask. And you are going to answer all the pastor will ask, and you will answer all the questions. And pastor is then going to take some water, put it on his head. Now remember, Pastor Book only uses one hand of water. He doesn't do three, but it doesn't matter. You only have to do one. It's not the amount of water. Let's keep that right. Then he's going to bless it. He's going to. Take the child. 
your child is going to be a, a part of our church. And your child is going to be a part of the whole Then she stopped, and she walked over to the third pew. And she said, on Sunday, Tanta Johanna is going to be sitting there. And right in front of Tanta Johanna is John, her brother. Now, Tanta means aunt, every color. Now, Johanna Fitzer was 99. She was older than the church itself. She was born by baptized by a missionary. And so was her brother, her kid brother at 97. And Ada said, when you come back in for pictures, they will be still sitting there. And I'd like you to go up and show the baby to them. Because it's so important. They just don't want to get caught up in all the So make sure you show Tante Johanna and John that baby. And then towards the end of that, in walks Miss Mildred Malbetch. Now Miss Mildred Malbetch was a career girl. She was in her 80s. But Miss Mildred Malbetch walked in with some books. And the two who had been members of the church and baptized in the church, they waved at Miss Mildred because every, they just, there you go. And Miss Mildred Malbetch brought these books in, and she sat down with them, and she goes, I want to show you these books because these are books you should be reading to your baby. Because if that baby grows, you're going to keep reading these stories to them. And it's important that they hear that. Now, Miss Mildred Malbetch had taught four-year-olds and five-year-olds at First Lutheran Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, for 50 years. Both of those parents were part of her Sunday school class. Now, to be honest with you, I don't know whether those two would ever have been good parents but they knew about relationships. They knew how important it was that baptism wasn't just putting a water on a head and saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism extends beyond. It touches people in the church. You're a part of the body of Christ. And what does Romans say? When you're baptized... You die with Christ. You're buried with Christ. But you rise. And you are part of that body. And don't ever, ever forget it. And you're not only part of the family, that three, but all of those relatives who would have an up-close seat, or Johanna and John, and everybody else in that congregation, and everybody else, wherever they were. That's how important baptism is. Baptism reaches beyond into all corners. And that's the blessing we have. 
hope you know when you were baptized. If not, I'd go find out. It's an important day. I might say it's more important than your birthday, but I don't want to come off as a curmudgeon. Okay? But it's your baptism that united you with all the people that were sitting around you. It's your baptism that united you with Christians all over this country. It's your baptism that united you with Christians all over this world. But most importantly, it's your baptism that united you with God. And that's the beauty of what we see and what we enjoy and the blessings that you have. Enjoy being baptized. Enjoy your walk with our Lord Jesus. Enjoy your walk with your family. Enjoy your walk with aunts and uncles you didn't even know you had in a body of Christ all over the world. Because I can say at this very moment there are parents holding a child who's about to be baptized. And they're going to join us in our walk through this life into heaven. Forgiven by the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. God bless you.